Again, that's page 977 if you're looking at the Pew Bible. All right. I'll read for us. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore it says, when he ascended on high, he, had, he led a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. In saying, he ascended, what does it mean but that he had also descended into the lower regions of the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for their work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. Excuse me. For building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the whole body grow so that it builds itself up in love. May God bless the reading of his word. Um, and now I want to invite Pastor Jeff up this morning to preach. Morning, Crossbridge. Happy New Year for those of you who are just coming back from traveling for the holidays. And, and welcome back to those of you who are maybe back on break, uh, back in town, visiting family, staying at home. This is our uh, first Crossbridge service. Uh, in the new year, we had a joint service with the whole, worshiping with the whole church last week. And I think that the start of the new year, uh, for some of us, brings a sense of excitement and anticipation. What do I want to be different this year? Who do I want to be this year? What new milestones awaits me? Where is God leading me this year? The start of the new year stirs up a lot of these kinds of questions for some of us. Now, in reality, we know that we can start new things any time of, uh, of the year. But now, I think, is the time where it feels like the clock has been reset for everyone together at the same time. All of us together has a sense of a fresh start. And the questions that some of us might be pondering about or reflecting on, asking ourselves about as we start out this new year, are the same questions or similar questions that some of us in leadership have been asking about our congregation, about Crossbridge. Where is God leading Crossbridge this year? What does God want to do in and through us as a congregation where are we going? Last fall, we preached through our sermon series, if you might remember, called This Is Us, Discovering Our Crossbridge DNA. It laid a foundation for us to move forward into the future, culminating in today, a sense of Vision Sunday. 
And on your way uh, this morning, on your way in this morning, you might have received a handout of our vision frame, the very things that we kind of hit on during that sermon series. And if you didn't get one, uh, there might be a few copies at the end of the pews, or we have a couple of helpers in the back who have a couple extra copies. If you don't have one, uh, just raise your hand. You don't have to raise it so high, but enough so that they can, they can see you and maybe hand you one. Now this uh, handout covers the four sides of this kind of frame that encapsulate who we are and what we are called to do as God's church, as God's people worshiping and living life together as Crossbridge. And so a quick review. Our mission, bridging cultures to build a family in Christ. Bridges that span Ethnic culture, for sure, but also generational culture, and especially secular culture with the gospel. This mission, which we've preached on before and we're reintroducing to you in the start of the new year, is the thing that ought to inform our ministries, our decisions that we make together, how we spend our time together on Sundays and even throughout the week. But this isn't the only thing on this handout, right? We have our motives or what we would call our core values too. And so we ask, well, why? Why do we do all this stuff? Why do we bridge cultures to build a family in Christ? Motives, core values, they're not just about what we do, but they're about what characterizes everything we do as a church. And so on the surface, it may seem like, you know, every church does the same thing. And to some extent, yeah, I mean, we all have worship services. We have maybe sports ministries or outreach ministries, social concerns. Summerbridge, which we just saw, you know, a lot of churches may not have Summerbridge, but something similar to that. But when we dig deep beneath, maybe some of the motives, the things that kind of sets us apart, our flavor, if you will, are a little bit different. The reasons might be a little bit different. Our motives might be a little bit different. So we have a set of four. Four motives, four core values. We are for God, scripture-driven, better together, servant-hearted. If you can't see on the PowerPoint, you can look on your handout and follow along. Now, if our motives, they answer the question, like, why are we doing it? Why are we doing this mission or doing all these things? Then our marks, which is on the other side of this frame, they ask the question, who are we becoming? How do we know when we're successful? How do we know that we're growing? You know, at a minimum, what does, what does a mature Christian in Crossbridge look like? We're going to hit a little bit about this maturity aspect when we, when we go to our passage. And these marks probably are going to feel a little bit aspirational and out of reach because, you know, who among us would say that we're perfect or we're completely mature? We stop feeling the need to grow or to mature. And so, if we are for God, then let's become missional in life together. If we are scripture-driven, then let's be shaped by scripture. If we are better together, then let's be walking in community and if we're servant-hearted, then let's be serving with joy. This leads to the last part of the frame, our map. It's there to kind of show next steps to new people, 
but also there to set the expectation of engagement for each one of us. You might remember that was a sermon back in October or so where I had a bunch of you volunteer as tribute to come up on stage and awkwardly hold hands for a really long time in concentric circles, right? There's a whole group of people holding hands with people they may not have talked to before and moving closer and closer into smaller and smaller circles. And as we held hands moving into concentric circles, we were facing inward. But when we got to the smallest circle, we also flipped ourselves around so that we now were still holding hands, but facing outward now, moving outward. And so you can see on our map here that even as the arrows point in, the circles are radiating outward so that we can be missional together as Crossbridge, as a community, as God's church. Now, there's so many ministries here at CB and CBCGB, and so for some of us, we might be asking, well, where do we start? It might be, drinking, uh, it might be like drinking from a fire hose. And so we kind of boiled it down to just three things, right, just to get us started. Come for worship. That's, that's where we're at right now, worshiping together with a larger body. Join a group. A small group, a fellowship group, and form a pod, meaning those are the two or three people that you can go to who are going to call you out, who are going to live life with you, who are going to drive you to the airport at 3 a.m. in the morning, who are going to be there when life comes falling apart and you need that brother and sister in Christ to be there just to listen, to cry with. In our Joiner group, this middle circle, is in the middle for a purpose because it's meant to transition, to lead us, launch us into these other circles. Our small groups, our fellowships, they're not meant to be cul-de-sacs, but thoroughfares, through roads. Right? There's a survey that reported that home buyers are willing to pay up to 20% more for a home that is on a cul-de-sac. And I experienced this because Yin and I were looking at homes in the past year or so. And as we visited, I was like, wow, this, this home is really not so good looking. But it was marked up because the thing that they kept promoting was, hey, we're on a private road. We're on a cul-de-sac. And why is that? Because we as a people, we value, you value your, your privacy, your refuge, your comfort, your safe space. But what we see on this map to serve as a reminder is that our groups are thoroughfares, not cul-de-sacs, through roads. Now, to be clear, they're still there to be a place of support, to be a place uh, that is safe for us to share and to live life together. And to help each other as we live faithfully. But they're also there as a thoroughfare road, a through road to take us to the larger congregation as we worship together on Sundays. And also on to smaller discipling relationships. Now together, these four sides give shape and structure to uh, the picture of where God is leading Crossbridge. You might remember from the very first sermon back in the This Is Us sermon series that I brought on that jigsaw puzzle of Yin and myself. And I asked, how do we assemble a jigsaw puzzle? 
But we start with the edges. You find all the edges, edge pieces, right? And therefore, when you assemble this frame, it gives shape and structure for us to be able to see this picture inside, which is the actual vision, the actual picture of where God is leading us. And so what I want to do this morning is I want to invite you to hold on to this handout and think about it as we head into our passage in Ephesians this morning. Actually, I actually want you to invite you to take it home today. Put it on your fridge, put it on your bulletin board, put it next to your syllabus if you're uh, in college. You know, put it on your fridge next to the collage of holiday cards that some of you might have just received. Uh, or the save the date invitations of the, the people close in your life that you have on your fridge. Because these people... These people on your fridge, on your dorm mini fridge or whatever, might be the very people that God is calling you to build a bridge to so that they know Jesus or so that they come back to him. Or maybe these people that you see every day as you walk through your kitchen are the people that God is calling you to be missional with, to walk in community with, to serve alongside with. So hold on to that, look through it. If you have your Bibles now, I invite you to turn with me to Ephesians 4, 7 through 16. In our passage, Paul is writing to the Ephesian Christians. He just spent the first three chapters talking about the gospel and how history, the history of the world, comes to its climax in the person of Jesus. And now Paul is transitioning to talk about how the gospel story should impact our life story. And how we should live individually and communally in our relationships, in our neighborhoods, in our communities, in the church. How the gospel transforms all that. And these few verses in Ephesians are going to be setting the tone for us this year and into the coming years. As we move from talking about the DNA of Crossbridge, which is embedded in this handout right here in front of you, and moving towards God's direction for Crossbridge for this year and a couple in the years to come. And so there's two points for us this morning. If you, uh, if you read a lot of Paul's letters, you know that he loves really long run-on sentences. And I have this theory that maybe that's why pastors just talk for a long time because we just study scripture and read a lot of Paul's letters all the time that we just kind of absorb the way that he talks. And we just have really, like right now, as I'm making one long sentence with a lot of participles and whatever, right? Anyways, our, our passage is just really, two really long sentences in the original language, and it serves as a two points for us this morning. So the first point, verses 7 to 10, God gives grace to each member of the body. If you look just a few verses earlier, Paul was just talking about the unity of the church, this body of Christ. He keeps using this word one, right, which is important for the point that he's trying to make. So there's one body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God. We're saying about this in the Ephesians 4 song that Kyle and the other worship leaders led us in this morning, which is actually written by one of our former worship leaders. And with the start of our passage, Paul makes this contrast now, right? But, but to each one of us, grace was given. These conjunctions are helpful for us to kind of know the point and the movement of the flow of Paul's thinking. 
You know, I had a, a professor, a teacher of mine, that would always draw into us the importance of conjunctions. And he would always say, I love big butts and I cannot lie. <laughs> there is unity that Paul is talking about. He's drilling home. But there is also diversity in that unity. Diversity in terms of grace that Christ has given. Now, we're not talking about salvation grace as if, you know, one person here saved a different way than another person there. But about the grace that is given to serve and to build up God's church. Paul has in mind Psalm 68 as he's writing this. This is where he's quoting from. This psalm is a, it's a victory psalm. It's God being mighty to empower and save his people in their struggle with their enemies. And the result of defeating and capturing these foes is the spoils and the gifts that come from it. Now for Paul, Christ has triumphed in victory over sin and death. The enemies here are not people. They're not nations. They're not military armies. They are hostile supernatural powers Sin, evil, death. And what Christ has done is he is the victorious king who also gives gifts of grace to his people to build up the church. So unity does not mean uniformity. And Paul frames this passage with the word each one to kind of drive that point home. So verse 7, but grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. The last verse, verse 16. From whom the whole body, when each one part, when each member is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. The emphasis here with these bookends is on individual gifting, but it is for the benefit of the wider community. Each person then, as we see in Ephesians, is a contributor, not a consumer, an owner, not a renter, a crew member, not a passive passenger. Every follower of Jesus, every member of Crossbridge, every person of CBCGB has been given grace from God to minister to one another. And so this leads now to Paul's second sentence, his second point, God's point for us this morning. If God gives grace to each member of the body, then the whole body makes the body grow. Verses 11 and 12 will begin there. He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to do what? To equip the saints for the work of ministry for building up the body of Christ. So what this means is that God has given leaders to equip and saints to serve. Scripture tells us that there are diverse gifts graciously given to each one of us to minister to one another. At the same time, though, there are also diverse roles and responsibilities for those within the church. And we're given five roles here in verse 11. Easy way to remember it, a pest. Apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, and teacher. 
And these roles in particular, as we think about the New Testament, the early church, these roles were foundational to establishing new churches, to going into new areas, to ministering the word of God and equipping others for service, for expanding God's kingdom to the ends of the earth. When Paul is talking about apostles, he's probably talking about more generally than the 12 apostles or Paul himself who had an encounter with the risen Lord and had a specific call and authority given to them by by him. But the name apostle more generally means one who is sent. And it included, probably for, in Paul's mind, people who Jesus had called to go and establish churches and to ground new believers in new areas in the common faith. Prophets, too. That's a strange role for us today, perhaps for some of us, given our background. But they're not like the fortune tellers that we might think of predicting the future. They're a little bit different from Old Testament prophets in some regards. And prophets were, were people, in Paul's mind generally, who were gifted to speak to people for their strengthening, for their encouragement, for their comfort. And sometimes that meant uh, prophecy that would include seeing and being able to speak into the hearts of unbelievers such that by the power of the Spirit and through these gifted leaders that these unbelievers would be convicted and turned to Jesus. Now it makes sense with these two roles that these roles would be really important as churches were being planted, as intense opposition was being felt, and as discouragement was at the doorstep. But these aren't the only roles. Right? There were evangelists too, people who remained in the local church as this church was built up, churches that were established and continued to make known the gospel in the surrounding communities. And then there's the shepherd. This word here actually means pastor. It's not a word that is, used, that is used often, but it's pointing to this picture of caring for and leading the flock while remaining under the, under the authority of the good shepherd Jesus. And so you might talk to a few pastors. I know I have a few pastor friends of mine that we don't like to call ourselves shepherds. We call ourselves sheepdogs because ultimately we're pointing to the one great and good shepherd but, and, and trying to lead with the, the flock that he has entrusted us with. Now there's, there's pastors or shepherds, and there's teachers too, right? The latter two, shepherd, uh, shepherds and teachers, pastors and teachers, they're closely related, but they're still not quite the same. Because we know that teaching is one of the responsibilities of these shepherds or pastors, but it's not the only thing, and vice versa. And the function of these roles was for the purpose of equipping the saints for service. For building up the body of Christ, the point is that God has given these people to the church, not for them to do all the ministry, but to also invest their time in equipping, developing, training, preparing fellow believers to engage in that same ministry to the body. So, for example, evangelists aren't the only ones evangelizing. Right? We might think, oh, you know, that person has a gift of evangelism. We're going to outsource it to them because we're all about efficiency. Right? We're going to delegate. I'm totally fine with delegating. That's not quite how it works in Ephesians. You know, these evangelists, yes, they had the gift 
in a, a particular role, but they were also the ones equipping others to share their faith. Teachers aren't the only ones teaching. They're training up others to grow in a knowledge of Jesus. Shepherds aren't the only ones caring. They're equipping the rest of the flock, all of us here, those of us online, to care for one another. So Paul frames his second long run-on sentence with this focus on building up. Right? Verse 12, for building up the body of Christ. Verse 16, when each part, each member of the body, each one of us here, is working properly, it makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. The whole body makes the body grow. Now, God has given leaders to equip and saints to serve. So then we ask now, what is the growth? What does growth look like? What does the growth of the body look like? The goal of growth is spiritual maturity. Spiritual maturity. Spiritual maturity looks like this, verse 13. Unity of faith. Knowledge of Christ. We, we sing about this. As Justin was talking about historically what churches used to do and what the people of God used to do, and we saying about this as we saying this I believe or this we believe, that what unites us as a people is not what language we speak, not our social economic status, our background, demographic or culturally, but our faith in Jesus. That's the thing that brings us together. What else does maturity look like? It looks like Christ-likeness. It looks like not being carried away by dangerous and deceitful doctrine, by being resilient and stable and firm. It looks like not speaking the truth just like that, but speaking the truth in love. There's a manner there. And so... If we're lacking love when we speak the truth, maybe we're not as mature as we thought we would be or ought to be. And what we find here is that when each part is working properly, it makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Verse 16, and so that we've seen that God has given every member grace to build up the body of Christ such that the whole body makes the body grow. There are diverse gifts given to each and every one of us. And then even among us, there are diverse roles and responsibilities, equipping and serving, but all together building up God's church. Now, what does this have to do with our vision frame handout? What does this have to do with the question of where God is leading us this year and into the coming years, our direction and our future as God's congregation, God's church. Back in the fall, again, we talked about how do we put together this jigsaw puzzle. You start with the edges. We start with the frame. It gives definition. It gives clarity. It gives shape and structure to the actual picture inside. It helps, us see, it helps us to see what that actual picture is a little easier. The frame frames our future. So if we look at this slide of this picture of the frames and 
the, uh, really the, just this picture on, on the inside. What is on the horizon for us? What is the mountaintop that God is taking us? And so in short, we would call it this, over the next five years, this is where leadership believes God is taking us, our vision, renovating to raise up bridge builders. Renovating to raise up bridge builders. So over the next five years, we want to see Crossbridge become a home where all its members together lead their lives together as bridge builders to bring people to Jesus. When we think about bridges, when we think about this mission statement, bridges are bridges that span ethnic culture, generational culture, and secular cultures with the gospel. And we're going to see in five years, hopefully by God's will, hundreds of bridges connecting people within Crossbridge, across CBCGB, and among our communities. Each bridge built is going to breed more people, more bridge builders who continue to multiply influence for the sake of Christ and who are ready to accomplish whatever God calls them to do. This leadership multiplication, this multiplying of bridge builders will stem from first clarifying, articulating, adopting who are we, what is our identity, and what is the unique way that God has called us to obey his great commission to make disciples. And so we are leading the way by God's will on reinvigorating the significance and relevance of the English congregation and emboldening those who have an appreciation for our mission on this handout to be all in together. And we're going to be doing so in a way that leverages the strengths and even the quirks. We all know every church has its quirks. We're a little bit weird sometimes and that's okay. We're going to be leveraging our idiosyncrasies and our strengths that God has given Crossbridge to bridge cultures to build a family in Christ. And we ask, well, why are we doing this? Doesn't it seem a little bit random? Can't we just kind of go in and out, week in, week out? Why now? We rebranded as Crossbridge 2016, six, seven years ago. And we're so grateful for the people who kind of laid the foundation for us. But those of us who have been around for a while, we know that our church, our congregation, has been through a lot of transitions. You know, every year since 2016, our Crossbridge pastoral staff has changed until this year. And there's been a lot of changes in the world. The pandemic was a big one. The pa- and that's like half of the time since 2016. And these changes, these transitions... I have felt, maybe some of you can resonate with this, have led us to an ecclesial amnesia where we've lost sight of who we are and what God has called us to do. So we have a name, we have a logo, we have branding colors, we have a closet full of swag, but what we lack maybe is more clarity, more purpose. What that leads to when we don't have vision, when we don't have agreement and unity, not just around our faith, but the specifics of how that works itself out in the local church through a mission, through motives, through marks, through a map, is a drifting without direction. 
a free-for-all on what should or shouldn't be done such that the how of doing something displaces the why in the hearts of the people so that some of us might feel like we're doing all this, we're going through the motions, but then we ask, why are we doing this at all? But because we're overachievers and we're super responsible, we just continue to do it. And this can lead to frustration and grumbling and disillusionment, even burnout from members who serve tirelessly just to prop up a program that has passed its expiration date. And so we end up finding more meaning sometimes in working efficiently on yesterday's methods than in working effectively into the future, God's future. So if you can picture with me with this, we, we may be, maybe not at this point, but leaning towards, stuck in a roundabout, right, driving counterclockwise. I shared before that sometimes when I'm tired and my muscle memory just kicks in, I, I go into a roundabout because we have a lot of roundabouts, rotaries here in Massachusetts, and I miss my exit. And I just keep going around and around, and then I get frustrated, and I just continue going around and around. But this is what we might be doing, you know, stuck in a roundabout, driving counterclockwise to rewind back time, pulling us towards an inward focus that is more inclined to fixate on faults rather than to see forward progress, more susceptible for some of us to be consumers rather than contributors. And maybe, maybe this is a more bleak picture, and we're not quite there yet, and that's a good thing. But if we continue down this path, Crossbridge will eventually be a river that has run dry. A spiritual nursing home for the soon-to-be faithful departed. And ultimately, a congregation without any centripetal force drawing people into God and any centrifugal force directing the gospel to go out. And so, therefore, what is our response to this need, to this situation? We're going, undergoing a renovation, metaphorically speaking. We know that God does not mass produce his church. Every church is a gift from God, and every church is unique. And so this renovation begins first with discovering our DNA of how we make disciples, who we are, what we're called to do, and delineating it in our vision frame, which you have in your handout, our mission, our core values, and so on. And so this is not a new build, right, where we are building upon the old, what's already there. We're using what's already there, but we're forecasting a fresh start. And when this renovation is complete, some of you have done renovations in your homes, or you've seen your parents done renovations, we also see a glimpse, we'll remember where this wall used to be, what this kitchen used to look like. You know, a reminder, hey, this is our home. This is our family. This is the gift that God has given us and entrusted us with. At the same time, we all have known that we have renovated, innovated, and adapted because the world is changing. And it's changing fast. And so hopefully this will give shape and clarity and purpose to our ministries, to our members, aligning us horizontally with each other and vertically with God and specifically his mission for us. So ultimately, you can picture, imagine me, this with me, that we can be like a rowing team, each raising up Bridge builders who each take an oar to propel the boat forward into the future that God has planned. And so we envision multiplying and raising up bridge builders, not because we just want people to fill a gap or fill a need, but because we want us 
to grow, to grow into its spiritual maturity, what we saw in our passage this morning. In our bridge buildings, our members are going to be so well-equipped, so mission-minded, that even when circumstances in life changes, sometimes when they do leave, when uh, some of us do leave Christ because there's a job change or there's a need, we're trying to move closer to be with grandkids, you know, they're going to continue to build bridges without being asked because that is what is in our DNA, what God has called us to do. And so we're not trying necessarily to get more people into an auditorium around one leader in one place, right? The focus is not on me, it's not on Minister Pat, but it is on God. So we still want to build this church up for those of us who are here, but we don't want to be stagnant. We want to be a river, not a reservoir. There's a term that is sometimes used where dead water is called still water, or still water is called dead water, and water in reservoir sometimes is not moving compared to a river, at least relatively speaking. And so in a reservoir, people flow in and stay. The water there is stagnant and lifeless, but in a river, people flow in, and they're moving. There's life. There's life in the river. There's fish, right, moving to wherever God has called them. Maybe that means across the pew to the person down the pew who needs you to minister to them. Maybe that means downstairs to the children and youth. The people in our church, the, the people who maybe don't know Jesus, a lot of them are this next generation. Maybe maybe it's not that. Maybe it does mean across the country or across the world. The measurement that we care about is flow rate, not simply volumes contained in the sense of, let me just build up my own little tribe. But we want to grow the church. We want to build up his church. We want to be a river that irrigates fields of people with the living water of Jesus so that it blooms and bears fruit. And as we renovate to raise up these bridge builders who are going to multiply, we can think of each one of us as an acorn with the potential of growing and multiplying a forest inside. As we move together into the future that God is leading us, Crossbridge as an English congregation, we're not going to be a compromise. It's not going to be an afterthought, but it will be a place where non-believers will want to come because of these bridges that are built. They're going to want to cross that bridge, not simply to us, but to Jesus, in a place where believers are grown and guided to accomplish our mission of bridging cultures to build a family in Christ. And so we ask, well, how are we going to get there? Renovations take time, right? To get to that mountaintop in this picture, we have to traverse hills and valleys and walk along paths and climb over boulders. Even the hobbits, when they had to travel to Mordor to destroy the one ring, it took three movies for them to get there. And if it was the extended edition, it took really long, right? We asked, like, why couldn't they just fly on one of those big bird things and then drop the ring into the mountain? But it wasn't about that. It wouldn't work like that. It's a part of the journey. It takes time. It takes character development, maturity, growing, and faith. So raising, uh, renovating to raise up bridge builders might be considered this two-stage process. Not completely so, like, one and two, but, you know, think about it as two stages, moving towards that five-year vision. But for this year, our 
theme, our goal, this 2023 vision to move us towards that end is this. Harmonizing the hearts of our members around the melody of our mission. This is important. We're not just aligning ministries, but we're attuning our hearts vertically to God and to each other and to this mission. The melody of this mission is the thread that runs through everything for us here at Crossbridge. And it's important for us to be able to harmonize our hearts together. Because I, some of you know, I, I can't harmonize. And sometimes I'll get pulled away if someone else can't harmonize. Or I'll pull other people away. Like if they hear me being out of tune, trying to sing a harmony, like it'll, I'll mess them up. Right? But we all want to harmonize our hearts together around the melody of our mission. Because it begins and ends with us. Here. Because if we're not on board with this, then we're never going to reach that mountaintop. The very people that Paul writes, this is where it begins and ends. Us. That God has gifted each and every one of you with grace to build up his church. And so this is something that we've been working on a little bit more on the past year or so, trying to pray and discern and see where God is leading us. And, and this past weekend, our CBL core team actually led off this mini retreat, mini kickoff event with many of our ministry leaders, about 30 to 40 of our ministry leaders, to begin praying and discerning and thinking about what does this mean for our ministries and our members? What needs to change? But also at the same time, what cannot and will not change. And how do we move from here to there? So this morning, I want to invite each and every one of you to begin praying about your involvement in this. It's a team effort. We're better together. Right? And if you have more questions or thoughts, I'd love to sit down with you, get some coffee or lunch. We can talk more about it. But not just me. I'm going to volunteer our CBL core too because they, they should know this by now. Um, and if you don't know who they are, they are on our website um, but they, they, uh, they've been involved in this as well. And so if you don't know who they are, yeah, again, go to the website. And some of our ministry leaders should kind of know, but I'm not going to put them before you. But in five years, we are hoping to renovate ourselves to raise up bridge builders beginning with this year, harmonizing the hearts of our members around the melody of our mission. So let us together do that and put that before God. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we give thanks to you for your great faithfulness. Some of us have been here for a long time. Some of us are maybe here for the first, second, or third time. But I pray that we would see your goodness and your faithfulness to us individually and to this church and this congregation, Crossbridge. And that that would serve to help us to follow you as you lead us into the future, the bright and hopeful future that you have planned for us as a congregation, as a ministry, as Crossbridge. We submit to your will and your leading. In Christ's name, amen.